Hello and welcome to the Sports Ethos DFS Today podcast. I am your host, Mike Patra. It's a wonderful Monday. That means I'm joined by Harris Kamani here for this January 10th seven-game slate that we have on our hands. Should be a should be an interesting one. A couple uh couple good games on here, Harris, that I'm eyeing right off the rip that I saw. I started researching about an hour, hour and a half ago or so before we jumped on here. But how was your week? How are you? And how are you feeling? I don't know. Thanks for asking. Feeling much, much better. Glad to be back on the right side of things. It was a couple of annoying days with the sniffles, a little bit of dry cough, but feel pretty good now. Glad to be back on the mend with that. And happy clay day to everyone. You know, 941 days for the guy to finally return, and he looks pretty good. His first game back, obviously a little bit of rust as far as his uh, shooting is concerned, his defense is concerned, all of that will come through. But just to have him back, and also just to be reminded that, well, the last time he played is when the Raptors won the championship. So it just seems like a lifetime away for it to be like, man, it's almost uh, almost three years. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, no, and listen, if you're not on the board with, like, the whole Clay Thompson bandwagon, I don't know what to say to you. I, I was on Twitter earlier, and some people were, like, you know, not saying terrible things about the guy, but uh, it doesn't look that good. Or he's done. He's washed. He lost it. It's the, like you said it, Bert, it's the first game back in 941 days. Like, the fact that this guy's even playing basketball, if this was 15 years ago, and you tore your Achilles, and you tore your ACL, you would never play again. Uh, he looks great. <laughs> Needless to say, man, he looks great. Um, I wish I wish we were on the show. That would have been targeting the slate. I would have told a lot of people not to play him. Uh, I think I'm looking at some ownerships. It looks like he actually drew some. You know, granted, first game back. But I expect him to kind of not pick up where he left off, but he's going to take this Warriors team deep into the playoffs is my anticipation. I don't know about you, but... We have our own slate, my friend. How do you, well, let's let's just let's stop on that real quick. What do you uh, who do you have the favorite in the West to be? Yeah, the West is just so wide open. I honestly still think the Jazz are the best team in the West. It's just one of those things where they need to just have a couple of these demons go out of their way. But top to bottom, I think they have the best constructed roster. But the Warriors are the Warriors, and it's confidence and emotions that come with having everyone back. They just feel like you can go ahead and ride that pine all the way to the top again. So they definitely should be feeling good. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with the Jazz. My money's on that. My everything is on it. But uh, it's, it's got to happen one of these days. Yeah, I mean, they're bound to win a playoff series, right? They have to. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> that's the thing. The Jazz, always good during the regular season. It's just it needs to carry over a little bit. But we got seven games to talk about. Before we jump into anything, quick shout-out to Thrive Fantasy guys. If you haven't came over there yet, what are you waiting for? Go p- Come prop up with us over there. It's uh, the leading prop fantasy sports website out there. Updated lines regularly. And, if yes, if you don't know what they are, they are a daily fantasy sports and eSports. Can't leave that out. App for player props. With Thrive, you eliminate the countless hours of research and focus only on top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. You choose 10 of 20 available player props to build a lineup. Each prop is assigned a fantasy value for both the over and under based on how likely it is to hit. Hit the most props, rack up the most points, and win your share of the prize pool. Thrive has over 50000 in guaranteed prizes weekly for the NBA alone and has awarded over $6 million so far. Use the promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S, when you sign up, and you will receive a 100% instant first deposit match on up to $100. 
You can download it in the App Store, Play Store, or by visiting their website at www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop today. All right, my friend. Let's jump right into this. We have seven games to talk about. First game on the docket is the Milwaukee Bucks traveling to Charlotte, taking on the Hornets. We have a nice little rematch here for the Hornets. They look like they are good to go. The Bucks, Grayson Allen, George Hill, Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez all rolled out. Pat Connaughton is questionable. So it looks like he is uh, beginning to return from the health and safety protocols. But we know there's always a little bit of a ramp up that uh, that comes with that. This game has a 235 game total. Milwaukee is being favored by one. I'll pass it over to you. Talk about this Bucks team. No doubt. This was an insane game to watch. We got a rematch of it right away. And Giannis, who went to the free throw line 20 times in the last game, just pretty much caused all of the Charlotte prices to dip because everyone got into foul trouble. But he dropped 70, had an absolutely insane game. And it's clear they're going to go to him early and often. In the post, they had absolutely no answers for him. And he just kept getting dunk after dunk. And that's exactly what we're going to go ahead and see again. So at 12,000, yeah, he's up a little bit from there, but we've spoken about it on numerous occasions that in terms of per minute monster, Giannis just can't be beat unless you're Jokic, probably the only other competitor to him. And in a game that's going to have a 235 total, even if it doesn't get to that level, Charlotte always keeps things close. They're playing at home, which is going to be even more hype. And that's just going to make this be a really high-octane matchup. So I'm very, very happy to go ahead and pay up for Giannis. And the other side is uh, Bobby Portis, who I just think has been criminally underpriced at this moment, has been on fire for the last two games now, 47 in the DK points against Brooklyn, and just comes back straight up on a second half of back-to-back against Charlotte, drops 40 on that one as well. And he's just looking super, super back into it. He got pushed into the starting lineup to start off this year, and he's just looked completely at home over there. And... You know, with Brooke Lopez, all these guys being completely out, he's just taken over the reins of being the primary rebounder on this team. And even if he's not hitting you know, 52, 56% as he did in the last two games, he has just so much bandwidth to be able to hit that 6,800 price tag that I think the upside is massive there for him. I think the biggest thing with the Giannis free throws is he hit 18 of the 20. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is this is a guy where, and he's been shooting well from the line pretty much all season. Uh we saw in the playoffs last season, people were kind of criticizing it. And, you know, this guy can't hit his free throws, whatever you wanted to say about him. If this dude's going to be knocking down this at the clip, he's the best player in the NBA, in my opinion. Uh, you know, that was the one hole in his game. Like, people will, will, you know, probably comment and say, well, he can't shoot threes that well. It doesn't matter when you're, they've got the wingspan, the size, and the speed of this guy, and you could pretty much take three steps, cross half court, and dunk. Um, The one way to stop Giannis was, you know, I guess hack-a-shack in the past. But, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I'm right on board all three of the major components here between Bobby Portis, Middleton, and Giannis. I'll probably have one, possibly even two of these guys in most of my lineups. I think Giannis is my top spend-up. I don't even think it's really that close. I mean, you can argue a guy, a center that we'll get to later. Uh, But it's really not that close for me. I mean, this is – I talked about it. I think I did a solo show in this matchup last time. It's a picture-perfect matchup for Giannis. It, it doesn't get much better. Any team traveling against Charlotte is pretty much getting a big boost regardless. On top of no Drew Holiday handling the ball a little bit more. Granted, they will have Dante DiVincenzo back. Uh, but Dante DiVincenzo was playing limited minutes before the health and safety protocols, let alone coming out of them. So I'm with you. All three of those guys, absolutely prime targets of mine. On the Charlotte side of the ball, 
I got no problem going right back to the well at ball here either. You said it perfectly at the top of the order. Everybody was pretty much in foul trouble. He, he himself had five, only played 26 minutes. I don't necessarily game script that to happen again. He was about one rebound, two assists away from a triple-double. This is a fantastic matchup from him. No Drew Holiday, their leading on-ball defender. Sign me up. I'm good with LaMelo. I'll keep going back to the well with him. Under 10K, he's getting a little bit of a decrease. I got no problem going back to the well with Bridges. Uh, I love this matchup for him. Both these teams play at extremely fast paces. So when you think about a fast-paced game in the Charlotte Hornets team, I want the two guys that are going to be running the floor, left and right. The guy that's going to be throwing the oops and the guy that's going to be catching the oops. Uh, so both those guys, I, and from no surprise either, it's not no hot take here when you're talking about the two highest-priced guys on the team, are going to be top targets of mine. And then I still don't mind going back to the well with some of these ancillary options. I, I never, I haven't played Hayward much at all this season. I don't think I'm going to start now. Uh, I'll probably ease back on a little bit of Kelly Oubre as well, even though he's at a fantastic price tag. So I don't mind looking there, but it'll probably be only in tournaments. But it's, uh, I, I think this is a decent spot for PJ Washington as well. Only 4,800. He fouled out in that last one, but if he stays out of foul trouble, I imagine he plays 26 to 28 minutes. Uh, so I, I'll pair the I'll pair him in there as well. So three guys on each team I'm going to keep in my player pool, and those are the three from each. Yeah, I think the temptation is really high to kind of stack this game just because of so many opportunities to be able to rack up a lot of fantasy points. And these guys are actually priced at a pretty decent spot altogether. As you said, Lamelo's dropped down to 9,300. I love Miles Bridges anytime he's under 8K. And even if he'll have the odd dud game, by and large, that's that strategy has paid off well for me throughout the year. I feel like it's just been a broken record. If I think it's a good matchup for LaMelo, I think it's a good matchup for Bridges as well. And in a lot of lineups, I've just been finding myself pairing them together. It's just how it is. On the Hayward side, I do find myself playing him a little bit more just because of his power forward eligibility. I like a guy who can handle the ball over there. It's worked out, you know, I'd say from a GPP perspective, you know, two out of every four games, he'll go ahead and uh, do pretty well as far as his price tag is concerned. But at somewhere in the low 6,000s, I think there's a pretty decent match for him to be able to get there because I would say Ubre is probably the one I trust most in terms of being able to chuck the most outside of the top two tier guys that you're saying there. But I just feel like his uh, value is so linked to whether he can have a good shooting night on that one that I feel just a little bit you know, less confident going ahead and taking him versus someone like Hayward but Washington all these ancillary guys definitely come into play especially if there is any sort of uh, either you know, large spread because James Brago loves going to his bench to try and make things uh, you know kind of come back or switch up his lineups or if someone does get into foul trouble then all of a sudden you see situations in which like you did at the end of last game Cody Martin's coming in every defensive possession playing like one or two offensive ones and then take him out and put LaMelo Ball back in it just becomes an interesting and of cat and mouse game to be able to take any of those guys, but the main guys are who you want to stick with. Absolutely. We'll move on to the next 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time start game. Utah Jazz traveling to Detroit, taking on the Pistons here. For the Pistons, Jeremy Grant, Frank Jackson, Isaiah Livers, Roddy Magruder, Kelly Olynyk, Chris Smith all ruled out. And for the Jazz, Rudy Gay, Rudy Gobert, and Joe Ingles, and Elijah Hughes are all ruled out. Uh, as of right now, let's see, let's see, 224 game total. Utah being favored by 10, despite no Rudy Gobert. And that's the biggest thing to talk about, I guess, is looking at these game lines without Rudy Gobert in the lineup. It's crazy. I mean, Jazz are, what, usually around that, like, 210 to 215 mark? With Rudy Gobert out of the lineup, they immediately jump up uh, into the 220s, which, like they've been in the past few games. So uh, I'll pass it over to you. Talk about this Utah team, who you're looking at in this, which should be a cakewalk matchup despite Rudy Gobert. 
Yeah, absolutely. And the one thing you know about Utah is that with Rudy Gobert, there or not, they're just one of the most deadly teams as far as being able to gun from outside and rack up points in a hurry. They're pretty much a Charlotte with defense on that end. And we got to see that in that Indiana matchup where even though they took the loss because Lance Stevenson yet again decided to go absolutely nuts. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. But Donovan Mitchell went ahead and played 37 minutes, got 27 shots up and dropped 56 DK points. So his price tag, which has actually come down slightly from that last matchup, makes this one you know, a pretty good spot for him to be able to go ahead and do that too. So, you know, as much as I love LaMelo for 9,300, I think Donovan Mitchell is a pretty good pivot to be able to kind of get a little bit more ex- more exposure on that side of it. Because these ancillary guys, uh, other than Hassan Whiteside, which I just don't understand as to, uh, first of all, his price tag has jumped up like 1,300. But he's played near 30 minutes in the last two games and just been absolutely uninvolved as far as the offense is concerned. Uh, he's getting his opportunities, but he's really just going there and, trying to hit people and getting five fouls in each of those games. So he should theoretically be in a pretty good spot to do quite well. And his price tag isn't even that bad for what we know his capability is anytime he gets uh, significant minutes, but he hasn't shown it yet. I have a feeling that maybe one of the reasons why I might be more interested to go in him because people are afraid of uh, taking that ownership on when he hasn't done much, but I think he's in a good spot to be able to do well as, as well. I'm going right back to the well. I'm right there with you. Uh, listen, I, 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 but losing money on Hassan Whiteside, probably like much of the rest of us uh, over the past two nights. But a price increase after two bad games, yeah, that's got money written all over it in GPPs. I mean, you said it yourself, five fouls in the past two games. Uh, this game, going against the Detroit team, where they generally don't get a lot of points from inside the paint. Now, I granted, a lot of people will drive on them, but uh, we're talking about going against, you know, Indiana, Demonis Sabonis, not afraid to drive in the paint, Miles Turner step out three point shooter game before that Pascal Siakam not afraid to drive into the paint. So I'm, I'm willing to go right back to the well with this one, knowing that they're going against an undersized, you know, Detroit team where granted, yes, they do have uh, our, our good friend back over there, but Sadiq Bay power forward, not going to drive to the paint. He's going to sit outside on that three point line all day long. And uh, yeah, sign, sign me up. I don't expect to, to see Isaiah Stewart really get him into foul trouble. And Sadiq Bey being on that three-point line will take that away from him, too. So if this guy stays out of foul trouble, plays 30-plus minutes in this matchup, it'll be hard to imagine he gets anything less than, I would say, 32 DK points with the upside of, like, 40 to 43. So I'm good with him. I don't mind looking at Donovan Mitchell as a pivot. I, I'm, I'm with you on that aspect, but, you know, probably much of the same, where I still prefer LaMelo Ball over him slightly. But he's a great pivot. When we know that LaMelo is probably going to draw a lot of ownership and, like, much of everybody in that first game, that's where pivots come into play. Uh, on the other side of the ball, I'm yeah. probably good. You you could take it. Oh, man. I think the only uh, one of interest to me is Trey Lyles. It's purely that 4900 price tag. He did great in the last matchup. He's been getting consistently into that uh, mid to high 20s as far as his minutes are concerned. And the one good thing about Trey Lyles is he loves to be able to crash the boards in the times that he does get. Uh, he got 13 boards in the last game. hasn't been below you know, six to seven in any of the other ones. So as long as he's getting that opportunity to be able to get somewhere in that uh, double-digit shot attempts, I think without Rudy Gobert, he does put himself in a pretty decent spot to be able to kind of stretch it out. That might be probably the one thing that could be at Hassan Whiteside's disadvantage because on the defensive end, he might be the one actually pulling him out there and causing him, uh, causing them to go smaller with someone like Rose O'Neal instead of Hassan Whiteside if Trey Lyles decides to get hot. So he's uh, the one guy in my player pool. And beyond that, uh, I think I'm just going to go ahead and avoid the rest of the Pistons tonight. All right, next game, 7.30 start time. 
Indiana Pacers traveling to Boston, taking on the Celtics. For the Celtics, Peyton Pritchard has been ruled out. Broderick Thomas is probable. For the Pacers, Goga Patase is ruled out, as well as Justin Anderson. Karis LeVert, TJ McConnell, TJ Warren, Isaiah Jackson, Tori uh, Craig, and Malcolm Brogdon, all questionable. Get the feeling Brogdon's getting closer and closer. Whether he's ready for this one or not, I have no idea. Your guess is as good as mine, but 214 and a half game total. Boston's favored by six. I was on some bonus in that last one, man. Um, I think I'm a little bit more off of him in this one. I was just all about that matchup, targeting him with no Rudy Gobert. Shot 18 to 22. I don't expect the guy to shoot eight, 81% or 82% again. But you give me your take. Yeah, I mean, like Sabonis has just been on an absolute tear. And in general, he's just been playing really, really well as of late. Uh, he's been asked to take on the vast majority of the usage once Levert went down. And he's done really well in that. I think as long as uh, Brogdon and, and Levert continue to remain out, he just is an absolute great spot as long as the matchup stays close. And as long as he keeps getting fed assists by Lance Stevenson, who just, again, if Levert and Brogdon are out, I'm definitely going to be going back to the well on Lance Stevenson as I did in that Utah game as well. It's just one of those things where he looks like he's just enjoying himself again and uh, they love him playing the point guard. It's pretty much taken away from Duarte, who I also had in the last game and didn't pan out nearly as well. But uh, that's that's really what it comes down to. They don't have a primary ball handler really at this point. And Lance Stevenson has gone ahead and taken over all of those uh, all of those usage and all of those roles for them. So I love him for that shooting guard eligibility to be able to get him at 5,500. And if I am getting him in again as, as a pivot situation, if I want to uh, maybe not take Giannis in one lineup, I think Sabonis is a pretty good uh, spot to be able to pivot off that as well. But again, high ownership in that Milwaukee Charlotte game. I think you're going to have to go ahead and eat the Giannis uh, chalk on there, but uh, Sabonis is always in my player pool, just given how he's playing at the moment. Yeah, I, I think I'm I'm probably just going to fade him completely, to be honest. I think it's a, it's a tougher matchup now. He's got the perfect guy to go against. Al Horford's defense has been uh, better than rock solid this season long. It's a perfect guy to kind of match up with him. Yeah, it's two bigs on the interior. Uh, he's not necessarily a guy that's you know known for you know, spreading the floor as much as he's been. Over the past few games, he was three from four from deep in that last one. So I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna take a pass on him. You know, I hope the ownership goes that way. Lance Stevenson scares the crap out of me, to be honest. Uh, I will have some shares. I just can't ignore the minutes. And Lance Stevenson in his heyday was one of those guys where he was a triple double threat on, on any given night, just because of how much usage he does draw. I mean, we haven't seen any of the real massive rebounding games, but he does have that in his game as well. Uh, granted, you know, Sabonis wasn't there in his heyday, so maybe that's taken away from him a little bit. But as long as he's going to be taking double-digit shot attempts and handling the ball as much as he is, uh, I do have some shares. And I'm not going back to the key for Sykes. Well, I tried to hit that narrative on the head last game, and it just did not work out that well for me. Granted, the minutes were there for him, uh, but did not perform the way I was hoping. Uh, the narrative was, if you do not know, he signed that contract to be on this team for the rest of the season. And his mom came. His mom was at the game. He had a big, you know, post-game press conference about how, you know, he did all this for his mother and how she deserves all the credit and all this, this and that. So, you know, that's that's the I played the narrative game, man, and it didn't work out well for me. But for me, it's probably just going to be Lance Stevenson over here on the Boston side of things. Uh, yeah, there's some decent options, but I just don't see myself spending up on Tatum, knowing that we could play Donovan Mitchell. We could play Lamella Ball. We could play a lot of these other guys for a few hundred dollars cheaper. Uh, same thing with Jalen Brown, despite his massive game that he had in that last one. 
triple doubled, 22, 11, and 11. It's not very often that a guy that averages uh, 2.9 assists gets 11. So I'm not going to go chasing that either. Still prefer those other options over him as well. Uh, not the best Robert Williams spot. Not the best uh, Marcus Smart spot. I guess the only guy I have any interest in might be Al Horford. Due to his depressed salary at 5,800, down from 63, 69. I mean, this guy was mid-seventh at some point. So at 5,800, they're going to need him on the court for a majority of the game. I imagine this is a 30-plus-minute spot for him going against his Pacers team. So he's the one guy I, I definitely have a little bit of interest in. Uh, and I, I could throw you know Schroeder in there. just don't know how much I'll land on him. Yeah, no, I think you've hit uh, pretty much exactly all that I was going to say. Horford was the major guy I was looking at, again, because of his salary. I do like a little bit of Jay Rich. Uh, just because uh, I think he just gets so many different lineups in which he fits. Got up to 30 minutes in that last game as well. Uh, for you know, mid-4,000s, he has the uh, upside to be able to hit somewhere in the 30s just because of his capability to be a Swiss Army knife. But again, it all comes down to usage, and at that point, I may as well just go with Schroeder for 5,100. All right, we'll move on to the next game. We have the San Antonio Spurs traveling to New York, taking on the Knicks. San Antonio on the second half of back-to-back, so no injury report for them. Evan Fournier, Nerlens Noel, Kemba Walker, all three of those guys are questionable. Derrick Rose, Lucas Samanich, Ryan Archidiakono, all ruled out. As of right now, 213 game total, six and a half point spread, being favored toward the Knickerbockers. Pass it over to you, San Antonio. DeJounte Murray has been lighting it up as of late. Is he an option at 97, or do you still lean more towards the the Mitchell and the Mellow Ball bandwagon? Yeah, I think I lean myself more towards those first two, apart from the fact that he's also priced the highest. They're also coming off an overtime game just today against the uh, Brooklyn Nets in which they needed every bit of gas to try and take it all the way to the end, but unfortunately just fell short. And, you know, he put up 22 shots in that. The reality is DeJounte Murray's in the player pool anytime he's sub 10K. I don't think I can fault anyone for going ahead and taking him because you always have that opportunity. But the one thing we know about the New York Knicks is that they love slowing the game down. And it's not like the Spurs are a super high octane team anyways in general. So I feel like this game is going to be at a plotting pace, not really my you know, most favorite spot as far as uh, DK points is concerned. I just think the pace is going to be a bit of a problem here. That being said, I do like Lonnie Walker, just plain and simple. He's gotten the opportunity to start. I think that's going to continue just given the fact of how he's playing, how low they are on their guard depth in general. And he dropped 40 DK points today. Didn't even have a great shooting night, but just was there involved in so many different play type, got 20 field goal attempts, which is probably the most important thing to me. And I think at 4,200 with that small forward tag as well, he's probably one of my favorite value guys to be able to play on this night because I do want to get a little bit of exposure between him and Bryn Forbes. I think both those guys are the ones that are really getting the benefits of uh, of Devin Vassell, a Keldon Johnson, a Derek White being out for either protocols or injuries at the moment. Yeah, I think it's just the ancillary options for me as well. I mean, I would... I would say that all three of these guys are going to be tournament plays, whether you want to look at, you know, Lonnie Walker, Primo, uh, Kata Bates, Diop. Uh, the thing is, is I never really played Lonnie Walker or Bryn Forbes. Uh, maybe it bites me, but those aren't guys I usually gravitate towards. I mean, Lonnie Walker has been having a much better season as opposed to last season in general. Uh, when he's getting the shot attempts, he's been consistently getting over 20. I just feel a little wrong chasing that 40 DK point game when it came into overtime. Uh, 20 shot attempts. I just don't, you know, like you said, slower pace game as opposed to going against a Brooklyn defense. It feels like a trap chasing the Lonnie Walker, but 
I'll keep him in my player pool for now. And I think if I end up needing to land on some value, I don't mind looking at any one of those guys between Primo, uh, Katie Bates, Diop, and Forbes. We haven't gotten much of Katie Bates, Diop. He burned me in that first start that he drew with Kelton, uh, Kelton Johnson out against that Philadelphia 76ers team. But I've seen a couple games this season where he has produced when he's been given the minutes. If he's going to get 30-plus, which I expect in this one, I got a little bit of interest. But overall, not primary targets of mine. Just kind of guys, hey, if you land on them, there's worse you can do. Uh, on the next side of the ball, Julius Randle getting a little bit of a discount now at 9,100. I like him. Don't love him. I just don't see exactly how they're going to match up against him. Uh, I think that he should be able to take advantage of this matchup. So I think he makes for a great tournament option. Thing is, we already talked about so many guys over that 9K mark that we are have a lot of interest in spending on, and I think they're a little safer than him. But that's where he comes into play. I think he's a fantastic GPP pivot. Outside of him, the only other guy I have really any interest in uh, would be maybe like an Alec Burks at 56. But I, I, they're expecting Evan Fournier to be back in this one. He's questionable as of now, but you know, not really being listed on that injury report. Makes me believe that he's fully good to go, which will take like quickly out of the picture and definitely bump Burks down a slight peg. But what are you looking at over here? Yeah, the Randall thing was actually the first thing I noticed when I looked at the slate, like 9,100 to me sounded great at the time when I did my initial research. But as you said, there's just uh, other options there that feel safer and frankly have higher upside just given the matchups that they're going to be in. So I like, I hope Randall doesn't absolutely destroy this price tag because I'm hoping to take him on other slates with this price. But on this one, I'm probably going to end up not landing on him all that much. And I'm pretty much on with you as well as far as quickly is concerned. He was in my player pool. I'm still waiting on that Evan Fournier news as well, just to confirm one way or the other. But if that doesn't happen, then it's pretty much, if I get any exposure, I may have some Randall. But uh, beyond that, I just don't really like any of these nicks tonight. All right. 8 p.m. start time. Philadelphia Sixers. Traveling to Houston, taking on the Rockets. It's always fun when you get Charlotte and Houston on the same slate because you know that there's going to be some high-scoring fantasy lineups out there. Uh, as of right now, Rockets, no injury report. Sixers, Maxie, Shake Milton, Paul Reed, Ben Simmons, Jaden Springer are all ruled out. We do not have a game line or total for this one. Talk about this Sixers team exactly. What are you targeting? Is Embiid in play at 11K? We already talked again about so many expensive guys on the slate, but it is Joel Embiid. He did put up 72 DK points on him last time at 29 and a half minutes. So give me your take on this game. Yeah, I don't think, I think exactly what you said is what the reality is with Joel Embiid. I mean, 73 in that last game, it was Houston only had to play 29 minutes for him to do that. So it's not like he needed a high minutes total against this Houston defense to absolutely dominate them. So he's absolutely in play at 11K. I mean, the floor is absolutely rock solid he hasn't had a game other than that orlando one where he had 44 he's pretty much always been uh, 52 to 58 and above so it's just where you end up landing with it because it all comes down to if you want to fade a Giannis, if you want to fade a sabonis or any of those guys then Embiid definitely comes into place probably my second favorite spend up option after Giannis, just given everything that we've seen and how Joel Embiid's just been playing as of late. And the fact that uh, they've actually got still Tyrese Maxey and these guys out with protocols, that's just even more fuel to the fact that it's going to be him not only being the usage monster that he always is, but he's going to get more playmaking opportunities as well as he has been as of late. Got seven assists in that last San Antonio game as well. And that's really where 
you get all those ancillary things to be able to add it up. The other area that you would want to make sure you're not sleeping on is Seth Curry, who also has gotten great advantage of Tyrese Maxey being out. He's become pretty much the primary point guard, has had 12 assists, 7 assists in the last two games. His shot attempts are going up as a result of it as well. And one of the things that was kind of been against him is that you know, he's been shooting really well from three, but he just hasn't been shooting them in volume. And the fact that he's put up and now eight, five, eight attempts in the last uh, three games that he's played. I'm a lot happier to be able to go ahead and put him into my player pool at that kind of sub 7,000 price tag, given the fact that he's got all those things in play for him and him as well. And the last Houston game only had to play 29 minutes and dropped about 30 DK points at that time as well. So he's just rock solid as far as his uh, floor is concerned. And I think he's got a lot of upside given uh, Joel Embiid's going to beast. You said it perfectly, my friend. Uh, I think I'm a little little hesitant on the Curry price tag, but we can't ignore the performance with no Tyrese Maxey. I mean, like you said, he's handling the ball more. He's playing a little bit more point. It's a picture-perfect matchup, but the, one of the fastest paces that they're going against. Yeah, I think Joel Embiid is my top, uh, top two spend-up. I prefer him over Sabonis, but it really depends on your build. He'd be the tournament pivot option, and even then he'll probably still draw 25 to 30% ownership in most tournaments and in cash games. Nonetheless, uh, he is in play for me. Outside of that, I don't see myself going to too, too much. Maybe a Seth Curry here and there. But on the Houston side, oh, it's also worth noting, I think in that game that he absolutely decimated them, uh, Joel Embiid, there was no Christian Wood. It was pretty much only Daniel Tice he, goes, he went against. Now, granted, Christian Wood is not the best defensive center in the league or he's not a real stopper or a huge difference maker. Uh, but he was also going against a completely uh, belittled and Injury-ridden team. Belittled is probably the wrong word to use there. I guess if we're going to talk junk about them like I just did, I guess I could use it. But uh, <laughs> on the <laughs> on the Houston side of things, uh, Christian Wood at 7K going against uh, the team that – I am I, am I getting it wrong? Did they draft him? I believe they did, didn't they? Christian Wood, yes. Christian Wood was drafted by Philly. You're right. And then he yeah. just got moved right away. And then, yeah. <laughs> Moved to like four or five different teams. It feels like yeah. that time. But uh, finally found a home once he was over there. I think in Detroit really made a yeah. name for himself. But uh, going against this team at 7K, he's in play. Don't get me wrong. But there's so many center options that we're going to talk about and that we already have talked about where I don't know how much I land on him. But I think Kevin Porter Jr. would probably be my primary target of anybody on this team. 6,200. I do like him in this spot. Uh, like you said, going against this team, and uh, there's not much to as good as Seth Curry is playing that point guard position. I don't know. Do they throw Thibel on him? Do they throw Danny Green on him? I don't think so, honestly. I, I don't see that necessarily happening. Maybe they do a little bit of Thibel, in which case that would probably hurt me if I do have some shares of him. But at 6,200, I feel like that's a little cheap for Kevin Porter Jr.'s upside. We've seen him near triple double several times this season. So I do have interest in him. And outside of him, not a whole lot else I'm interested in. I, I do like that Jay Shante price tag, but you probably heard me say it a hundred times on the show. He's another, another one of those guys. I just, I don't play him too much. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head there where Kevin Porter Jr. is probably the primary price tag uh, that I like. I do. I'll be honest. I still do like Jalen Green. I think he's just waiting for that opportunity to be able to get uh, really breakout. He's got the shots going for him. He's got the confidence there. It just needs to get himself completely back into it. But I think him just being there helps Kevin Porter Jr. out just because of the fact that it adds that uh, other target that they have to actually keep track of throughout because he just keeps running off ball. Very similar to uh, Clay Thompson just running off ball there and uh, making it so that Kevin Porter Jr. just gets a little bit more room to operate. So 6,200, I'm okay with taking uh, KPJ if I do believe that Philly's not going to absolutely run amok on this matchup. 
And if you're taking Embiid, then someone has to do something on the Houston side. So you probably will take Kevin Porter Jr. just to get a little bit more exposure on the other end. All right. Two games left. 10 p.m. start time. So wide gap between these two games. Two hour start time difference. Uh, Cleveland Cavaliers traveling to Sacramento. Both these teams on back to back. So we do not have injury reports for them. We do not have lines for them. I'll pass it over to you. Cleveland Cavs. A lot of decent options and a great matchup. Who are you looking at? Yeah, lots of decent options and lots of decent discounts as well. Darius Garland, first and foremost, has dropped back into that 8,000 range, which we haven't seen since mid-December. And we've already seen his upside. He's Even in these last four games, he's been dropping on average in the mid-40s as well. So it's just a rock-solid floor throughout. He's just been the absolute primary option on this team now that Rubio's gone down and the fact that they need him to be able to kind of set everything up to allow Mobley and all these other guys to operate. So I, I love him as an option, again, at 8,900. Uh, it's between you know, between Donovan Mitchell, Lamelo, and Garland. He's probably the third in that one. But again, it's all about kind of where your build ends up working out because I do think all of these guys have an opportunity to have a pretty great matchup. Sacramento, as everyone knows, is not a great defensive team, especially on the perimeter against uh, against guards, especially quick guards who have always found their way into the rim. And the fact that Sacramento's missing out on a lot of their primary uh, defenders as far as uh, the room protection is concerned. I think it just opens up the matchup a lot for Darius Garland. On the other hand, I also really do like uh, Evan Mobley now at uh, that 7,300 price tag. Again, it's all about, to me, that consistency and picking the guy who's who I feel has the safest floor and has the upside to be able to do more. Uh, he, We still haven't seen that kind of 50-point game that I know Evan Mobley is just waiting to be able to do. But I think against a Sacramento team that's missing a lot of their front court options, uh, the fact that he's just absolutely rock solid throughout in uh, the high 30s as far as DK points are concerned, I just think it's a smash mashup for him to be able to finally really get himself going in the way that I know he can. Yeah, listen, I'm I'm with the uh, Garland uh, aspect of things. It's just, again, he throws himself right in that range with Mitchell, with LaMelo, where that's where things get a little tougher. We're not going to be able to play all these guys unless you're just completely fading Giannis, completely fading Embiid, where then you could probably get three of them in there if you wanted to go that route with that build. But there's a lot of guards on this slate who are a little bit cheaper that we could look at as well. So, I mean, I I don't see myself landing on him all too, too much. If anything, actually, I do love the value play in Rajon Rondo. Uh, Not something I thought I'd be saying at the beginning of this season. But he's 3,300, and we heard them say as soon as they traded for him, they anticipated playing him anywhere between 20 to 24 minutes a night. Uh, and then looking at the line tonight, I think he already has like 27 minutes, uh, and there's still you know, a minute and a half left in the game. If he's going to play this much, it's Rondo. You know, I don't expect him to shoot 60% like he is, scoring 15 points every single night. Uh, but a guy that could rack up the boards, rack up a steal, uh, steals and assists, just kind of fill those ancillary box score sheets at, at 3,300. I think he makes for a rock-solid value play. So I, I will have some shares of Rondo, maybe a pivot or two here with Garland. I don't love it. I don't hate it. The thing I like the most is that he does have shooting guard eligibility, but, I mean, so does Mitchell. So does LaMelo. So there's, you know, that's the one thing where normally if I'm playing him, I'm playing him at shooting guard. And then I think I do – I like Mobley, but I think I prefer Jared Allen ever so slightly more at 7,900. I don't expect him to draw a lot of ownership. The Kings have struggled against opposing centers all season long. You said it yourself. They're missing a lot of their bodies in that front court as it is. So for me, my primary options would probably be Jared Allen, would probably be a little bit of Rondo. But I never and ever will ever hate on Garland and Mobley. I think both those guys. It's a fantastic spot pretty much for his entire team. So you can't go wrong with any of these guys. But I got to be realistic about who I'm playing based on my builds. 
And those are probably the two top options with little pivots here and there and multi-entry GPP builds. Uh, on the Kings side of the ball, Fox is starting to creep up there a little bit in price tag, but dude's been cooking uh, over the past five games. There's no doubt about it. 7,600, decent little mid-tier option. Uh, don't hate it. If I'm going anywhere, though, it's probably going to be continuing to just like you know ride these centers that have been filling in for the most part uh, for you know Rashawn Holmes, but like, it's throw them into that throw them into that mix of, of centers that we have to choose from. You know, Alex Len drew the start for him tonight. I guess he's going to be in play. It's the second half of a back-to-back. Maybe they limit him. Uh, we've kind of seen a little bit of a, a difference maker happen with you know no more. Uh, Oh my God, name slipping my mind right now. But uh, help me out here, Harris. Guy that's been start, Damian Jones. Damian Jones rolled out. Yeah, yeah. Got code protocols. So out. yeah, so now that he's in the protocols, he was pretty much took over that backup center job midway through, uh, and he was looking fantastic for him. I know he's a big, big fan of a lot of Kings players out there. They just love these centers that uh, you know don't cut the don't cut it for other teams. Find their way to the Kings, and all of a sudden become fan favorites. So, I mean, we could look at Alex Len at 3,800. You could look at Metu at 46. I'm probably not going to be going to the Tristan Thompson well. But most part, I don't love these options for the at all, to be, to be honest. I mean, they're going to have to match up with the size. So Len becomes one of those guys where he's not a primary value play of mine. He's a decent option. But if I land on him, I'm not mad about it. Yeah, and I'm probably a little bit higher on uh, on Alex Len than most and just in general. Uh, I think that he uh, just needs about 20 to 24 minutes really to be able to produce pretty well. And the fact that he's got that little mid-range game to him that'll always get him uh, up as far as the shots are concerned kind of gives you that safety as far as his floor is concerned. So at 3,800, I do uh, like him quite a bit. Uh, even tonight in just 20 minutes, he's dropped to 14 and 8. So it's just one of those things where uh, it's not the greatest matchup. Obviously, Cleveland is probably one of the tallest teams in the NBA. But the fact that you have a guy who can stretch the floor a little bit longer, a little bit further out, uh, forcing Mobley to come out and not having to go up against you know those guys under the rim where they're some of the best rim protectors in the league, that gives me a little bit more uh, comfort with going with Alex Len as a value pick there. And De'Aaron Fox, as you said, it's just getting back to playing the way people have expected him to play for a couple of years now. He's gotten off to a really rough start this year and his salary has gone down as a result of it. You know, anything in the 7,000s, in my mind, is way too cheap for a De'Aaron Fox. And it's it, it comes down to uh, how your build is coming, exactly what you're saying. I think uh, De'Aaron Fox is probably the guy you could still land on, given the fact that you go for a Giannis or someone uh, in that price range, just because of the fact that 7,600 is something you could probably squeeze in, given some of these other value plays out there. So I do like Fox. I think uh, the Cleveland matchup uh, will be a relatively high-paced one as well. Kind of given some of the pace of these other matchups that we've been seeing out there, and should be a relatively close game, given that Sacramento is at home as well. So I do have an uh, interest in Fox. I'm going to avoid Halliburton and Buddy Heal just because uh, either their price tags or their usage isn't up to uh, what I'd like. Because De'Aaron Fox has taken over all that usage, so 7600, you can count me in for him. Yep. So pretty much right on the same page. It sounds like just uh, I guess just looking at front court members, and I don't mind Fox. I just don't. Um, the way my builds are looking, I'm trying to get two studs in here on this slate, and I just don't have that room for that 7,600. Uh, but you're starting to talk me on the line a little bit more. The more I look at it, the more I think about it. You know, I never trust Alex Lynn is my issue. I always get suckered into playing him when he draws a start, and then all of a sudden he plays, you know, 19, 21 minutes. Uh, but he is a good point for being a producer. So you're starting to talk me on to him a little bit more. Maybe I end up with more shares of him than I originally thought. But final game of the night. 
Brooklyn Nets traveling to Portland, taking on the Blazers. Both these teams on the second half of the back-to-backs as well, so we're not going to have any lines. We're not going to have any injury report information, but we do know it is an away game, so Kyrie Irving should be available for the Brooklyn Nets. Pretty much answers all we need to know, I guess, about all three of those options when all three of them are playing. They all take a little bit of a hit in usage, spread it out a little bit more, but you give me your take. Yeah, and at 10500 10600 for you know Durant and Harden, that's a pretty fair price tag for what you expect given their usage will be split up a little bit. They have the upside still to be able to get into kind of that mid-50s as far as DK points are concerned, but again, at that price tag, you could go a little bit higher and get into the uh, Embiid or get into uh, even get a little bit down and have Lamelo, who probably has a higher upside on this matchup, on his matchup as well. So I'm probably going to avoid both those guys. I do think Nick Claxton uh, continues to be a, a guy that I'll have interest in. He's been doing uh, relatively well for me, I and mean, he did well for me today at 5,000, uh, dropped 38 DK points as well. Not... Uh, the sexiest of pickups. I said Alex Len is probably uh, the more interesting points per minute producer uh, to be able to pay off his price tag and give you a little bit more upside. But I think Claxton's a fine guy to be able to land on, uh, given the fact that Brooklyn's on a back-to-back. Uh, you know, their younger guys are probably going to be playing a little bit more minutes while some of these other guys try to kind of get their get their breath under, given the fact that they just had an overtime as well. So Claxton's probably my primary one. I We'll avoid uh, Durant and Harden, and I just don't think Irving at 8,800 is uh, going to get the kind of usage, considering he's primary playing off-ball shooting guard. So I just don't like the fact that he can't get the ancillary stats I'd like. Yeah, no, I don't think I'll probably play, play anybody from this team. I, you know, granted, Claxton, you know, having himself a big game uh, tonight, but it was also with Aldridge ruled out. There's a decent chance Aldridge suits up for this one, where I don't think he'd play 30 plus minutes if that happens. And if that's the case, keep in mind, this is going in Portland. Aldridge probably going to do everything he can to suit up against this. Basically had his main calling card and made a name for himself. He's a huge fan favorite over there in Portland. Uh, I think they'll try to get him out there if they could. So I just don't see myself going to much of anything over here on the Brooklyn side. Even if he sits, Claxton still comes into range where I'm probably going to end up playing two centers on this slate. There's a lot of good center action. I mean, you just talked about Len. Uh, We talked about Whiteside. We're going to talk about this guy on the other side of the ball who's been absolutely just Playing fantastic, and that's Yusuf Nurkic. Um, you know, 7K, priced appropriately. Uh, but we're talking at least 38 DK points in four, uh, three out of the past three games, actually. 33 in three out of the past four. But in the past four out of the past five, he's played at least 30 minutes, and that's the biggest thing for Nurkic. It's the minutes total. No one doubts that he's not a fantastic point-per-minute producer. It's just some games they get away with only playing him 26. Some games they need to play him more. Granted, Cody Zeller is back in the in the lineup. And in the rotation. But Cody Zeller doesn't necessarily scare me off of this. I think Cody Zeller just plays whatever's left over from Nurkic. If Nurkic plays 32, Cody Zeller's playing 16. If Nurkic plays 34, Cody Zeller's playing 14. I mean, they just don't have the, you know, necessarily the bodies to sit there and not play Nurkic 30 plus minutes with no Larry Nance Jr. So I'm all over Nurkic. I think at 7K, it's a great spot for him. We know that Brooklyn, time and time again, doesn't matter what bodies they bring in there, they struggle against the posing center. So uh, I'll sign myself up for that. I think Anthony Simons at 64, he's in play. Uh, he continues just to perform well. I think it's starting to get to the point with the price tag. You know, it warrants a fade because he's still going to continue to draw high ownership, especially knowing that I think Damian Lillard has now been ruled out until the 25th. He's going to miss a lot of time. He's going to miss the entire upcoming road trip is what they're saying. So we'll start to see that ownership, you know, drive up more and more, I think, time and time again. And at 6,400, he falls in that weird range where he's in play for me, but 
the way you're spending your money, if you're trying to get two studs, it's kind of hard to hit that mid-tier really hard. And for $600 more, if I'm targeting this game, I think I'd rather have Nurkic. Yeah, no, I think you've hit the nail on the head once again. Yusuf Nurkic, my favorite guy there. I do like uh, Robert Covington, just given the fact that with Larry Nance out, he's gotten himself back into the starting lineup. And with Damian Lillard out, he's getting more shot attempts up as well, because you know he's going to get his ancillary stats. Uh, he's getting more rebounds as a result of these other guys not being there. And I think 4900 is probably the highest I'm willing to pay for him, because I think he does have that uh, mid-30s uh, as far as DK points upside is concerned. So he's in my player pool for that power forward eligibility. Again, I'm going to have a couple of guys that I will work through. Uh, but uh, I do think Covington, apart from the fact that I like him personally, I know in the past we've talked about uh, not necessarily wanting to have Covington in most lineups, but uh, I think uh, if he can get his usage up as he now is he needs to be shooting somewhere near that uh, 10 shots a game now for this team I think he's going to be a pretty good spot to hit his 4900 pretty safely all right my friend i know you like covington you sent me a trade offer for him i just saw earlier this morning which <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, i mold it i mold it man i'm mulling it i'm still mulling it i don't think it's gonna go though i'm probably gonna end up rejecting it to be honest because because you're trying to send me isaiah stewart back like i don't know kelly olenic right around the corner um i see what you're on man i see what you're doing over there yeah <laughs> I, I see i see you try to Pawn off the guy that you know is you know on the downside of things, and you know get the get the guy. It was a fair trade though. I'm not gonna. I want Mobley, man. I do. It, and for all those wondering, uh, maybe tweet at us. Give me your thoughts. You know, I think it was pretty solid overall, but I don't see how it really helped me with my build I have going on there. But it was Cole Anthony and Robert Covington for Mobley and Stewart. Um, I think Cole Anthony and Mobley are pretty pretty close in value. But the the Rocco, I, I wanted Mobley, man, because I want blocks. I can't, you know, it's not really helping me if I'm sending away Covington, who gets the same amount of blocks almost. I need the blocks. I need them. Well, Stuart, Stuart will give you 1.2 without dude. My problem is I have way too many blocks, and I have guys that are going to be coming back from my IR. So I'm just like, man, I got like blocks to spare. Give me some guards. Cole Anthony from Mobley, straight up. I, you know, it's on there. I said it. I said it time and time again. You know, it's there for you. Just take it. I know you're. you're we're going to keep going. We're going to keep sending each other these offers back and forth, <laughs> and eventually it's going to get accepted, man. So you might as well just do it sooner rather than later. Uh, it's, you know, pretty fair down the on the board. I mean, Cole Anthony's having a fantastic season. I think Mobley is going to have a little bit of a better season as the year goes on. But that's season long, man. Let's get to our player tier segment. Enough of our fantasy teams. Mine's been. Shit in the bed over the past three days, three weeks anyway. But uh, who are you looking at for your top tier spend up? Yeah, I, mean, I, I think we have pretty much kind of gone around it. Giannis just continues to be the guy to be able to go ahead and put up the kind of points that he's been doing. It's a great matchup. Drew Holiday being out brings even more usage his way. And uh, 12,000 in a matchup that's going to be the highest point total of the night. I think his uh, points per minute is going to make it so that his upside is just beyond anyone else on there. Like, sign me up for Giannis Greek Freak on this matchup. I will go in the same matchup and go with the Mellow Ball then at 9,300. I think that I'm going to have a lot of builds with both those guys in there. I just, and listen, the only time I'm not spending up for Giannis on this slate is because I'm doing a pivot. I'm going with somebody else. Maybe it's a Mitchell, maybe it's an Embiid, but I can guarantee you if I'm not playing Giannis, I'm still going to have like Chris Middleton and Bobby Portis, if not one or the other. I'm going to be going at this game so many different ways. A lot of my builds in that last game, I had Giannis and Middleton. It worked out well for me. I don't anticipate that that same kind of scenario happens again, but everybody in this game is in a fantastic spot. So I'm not going to argue with any of those plays. What about your mid-tier? 
Yeah, I feel like uh, we're going to be just sticking in this game the whole dang time because Bobby Portis was my uh, mid-tier guy. But you know what? I'm going to kind of move away from that. Let's go ahead and say that De'Aaron Fox is the other guy that I've really been looking at. Uh, as I've said, I think anything uh, below 8,000 for him is just an absolute great spot just given the fact that he himself just needed to play better. And I think with him getting himself back into kind of the groove we've expected has had four straight games of 40 plus DK points. Now I think his price tag is going to keep creeping up into that 8,000 range, but until it does, I'm happy to take him anytime he's in that seven thousands and for 7,600 sign me up with De'Aaron Fox. So I, this is where I got stuck, man, because there's a lot of good mid tier options. I mean, you, you said it, Bobby Portis is a fantastic one. We'll leave him off the board. Uh, do I go a little risky frisky, which is the way I was thinking? You know, either Whiteside or even Al Horford with the two guys that we've seen plenty of times. They have had low floors, but we know that they both have 40 plus point ceilings on any given night. And I think I am. Uh, now, which one of those two do I feel a little bit more comfortable with? I think I feel a little bit more comfortable with Al Horford. I think he's a safer option. But I'm not here to be safe, man. I'm going to go right back to the well, Hassan Whiteside. Uh, I have no issues with it. If I take it off the chin, I take it off the chin. I'm assuming maybe he'll stay out of foul trouble. I'm assuming double-digit boards, hoping for you know three blocks. He's only had two over the past two games. It just doesn't look like things have been right. And maybe this is just lingering concussion effects from him because you know I know three games ago or two games was it three games ago now yeah three games ago uh, he was warming up and he still felt those lingering effects. But a couple of days after that, going against his Detroit team, it's a get-right spot for him. So I'm going to go with Hassan Whiteside at 5200. Who's your value play? Yeah, and again, with, for 5000 or less, there's a couple of guys that uh, I'd have good interest in, but I think I'm going to stick with uh, my guns on Lonnie Walker. I think at 4200 he's just in a spot where if he's starting and he's getting the kind of usage that he's finding himself with now with Derek White out and a couple of these other major uses options kind of on the bench at the moment, I think he's in a smash spot to be able to go ahead and uh, do really well for all those other ancillary pieces that are there for the San Antonio Spurs. I think he's probably the best of them, and I'm going to have him as my uh, main value guy from that game. All right. I can't fault you there. So I was stuck on two guys in this spot as well. You talk, you, you're starting to talk me on to that Alex Len well, but we have so many center options that I'll leave him off just because there's, you know, you, you don't need to play Alex Len just based upon some of these other centers we talked about with, you know, with Nurkic. You can play Horford there. You can play Giannis there. You can play Whiteside. There's so many different options. So who can we get for value that would pair this all together? And I think it's going to be Rajon Rondo for me, man. I think 3300 is a little too cheap. I imagine sooner rather than later he'll be a little bit closer to that 4K, if not a little bit more than 4K, just based off of what the coaching staff is saying. And if they genuinely plan on playing him 24 minutes a game around that range, uh, you know, close to what they were doing with Ricky Rubio, probably not as much. Ricky Rubio has a little bit more of an offensive game. 3,300 is just way too cheap. Going against Sacramento, uh, a team that form a team of Rajon Rondo, what is there, about eight of them now? But we're not going to count the narrative. I just think that it's the minutes total that I'm looking at. He played 17 in this first game with them, put up 24 DK points. Uh, he played 27 tonight, had a, had himself a great game where, let's see, a game should be about, yep, game is finished. Uh, last I saw what he had in that game was like 15, 3 and 3, I believe, uh, which would get us well over value for a guy that's 3,300. So I think at that price tag, we can't really miss on him. I, again, we don't need him to score. Uh, actually finished with 15, five and three and no defensive stats. So I'm good with that. I'll take him 3,300. And then now it brings us to the wonderful segment of our thrive fantasy picks of the night. 
Good slate to do it, man. But who are you looking at? What bets are you taking here? Give us two. I know you like to give two. Give us two. <laughs> Fair enough. I think there's a couple of uh, value plays in here that I do really like. Uh, Bobby Portis, again, I go back to. I just think with everyone else kind of being out, he's taken on that role of being a primary rebounder for this team. And at 8.5 rebounds, I'm very happy to take him at the over for 110 points over there. I just think he's got, uh, with the pace of this matchup, with the amount of shots that are going to be going up, and you got to remember, he also grabbed 13 boards the last time he played. So doesn't even need to do that to be able to get to that level. So I'm going to go ahead and say he's one that I like. And the second one, and this is uh, one where I'm actually going to go ahead and pick an under. Uh, this is Kevin Durant at 43.5 total for uh, points, rebounds, and assists. I just think with everyone else out there, back throwing it back-to-back, Kevin Durant it looked gassed at the end of this game. He, frankly, was the reason this game actually even went to overtime because he just couldn't hit anything for the last like four minutes of that game because he just looked dead on his legs. I don't think he'll go ahead and uh, have the kind of game he'll hope that Kyrie and uh, Harden can do a little bit more on him. So under 100 points there, take his 43 and a half. I like those two. Uh, there's a few. There's a lot to like on this. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at Darius Garland, uh, points, rebounds, assists, 30 and a half going against Sacramento. I think at 105 for the over points wise. I mean, I'll take that. I have no issues looking at that one. I think that if you just need a slam dunk one, it's going to be that Al Horford one, but it's not getting you a ton of points. Uh, eight and a half rebounds plus assists for 85 points. Not getting much there, but you know, if we're, we're picking a lot of these. If you're building a lineup, you're picking, you know tons of these so 10 of them i think he should surely be one of those that's a 10 uh the other one if you're feeling real frisky would be the white side one at two and a half blocks or 125 i think that if i'm not mistaken that is the second highest of the night next to the julius randall player prop which is two and a half steals plus blocks i think hassan Whiteside has a better chance of getting three blocks than we do have uh you know, randall getting three blocks plus steals so a little risky there. I think yours are probably a little safer. I like yours better. We'll just say that. But that's it, man. That brings us home. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. Give us a follow on Twitter. You can find me at Mike Apatria, M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. You can find Harris at H-A-K underscore devil. That is H-A-K underscore D-E-V-I-L. I almost spelled your name wrong, man. I apologize. Uh, and then give us a thumbs up. Five-star, review, subscribe, wherever you listen. Stitcher, Apple, iHeartRadio, YouTube, you name it, we're there. You can find us. We appreciate it. Contest is still going. So tag us if you give us a five-star review, whether it's Harris, whether it's me, whether it's anybody from this team. Tag us, and you will be entered into a contest. And Harris, this goes for you, too. I don't know if you if you favorited our own podcast and subscribed yet, but... Uh, I'm giving away autographs, Harris. I don't know if you heard about that. <laughs> I am a big, I'm a big sports card collector. Uh, I have plenty for every single team, including some Raptors. Don't get me wrong. I got some good. Ra- I got some good Pascal. I think I have a Pascal Siakam uh, memorabilia autographed card, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I'm giving them away. So if first two people that uh, tag the, their review uh, of giving a five star and subscribing or whatever it may be, will be entered into it. I will pick two winners out of ten people of their favorite team and give you some memorabilia and autograph for it. So I don't know, man, did you, have you done it yet? Are you trying to enter into this thing or what? Well, not now that I know a, a Pascal card is up for a play, I'm going to have to uh, make sure I have, I've done it pretty sure I have in the past, but I'll go ahead and double check.
Double check because yeah. you can enter. Just make sure you tag me, otherwise it doesn't count. <laughs> but I try to get trying to get some uh, double a double bonus here, man. Trying to get some uh, some interactions on Twitter up and uh, also get a get a nice review out of it up. But uh, in all reality, guys, if you uh, if you do, you will be entered. Uh, I I greatly appreciate it, and I think everybody over here does too because it means the world to us. We'll be back tomorrow. It'll be Santino. It'll be DJ Sammy Caps. They'll be taking on that Tuesday slate for you guys. As always, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to us. Take care. Stay safe. And let's go out there and win some tournaments. Tournaments. There we go. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.